Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 5, Episode 11, Chapter 87, Strange Bedfellows. In the aftermath of the prison break in Hiram's jail, Archie leads the charge to round up the remaining convicts on the loose. Tabitha reaches out for Betty's help when she realizes Jughead is missing. Uh, so it's been a minute. It's It's been so long. Uh, it's been since March. And this... Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I understand why needing to do this just kind of happened. Like, okay, we needed to take a really extended break. Yeah. Like, I get it. But here's the thing. If you're going to have this long a hiatus, this episode has to be a season premiere type episode. Yeah, that's how you have to write it. That's how you have to treat it. They didn't. This is a filler. This is a mid-season plot mover episode. It's it's a mid-season oh, let's connect, oh, this thing happened and this thing happened. Half the things that happened this episode, I don't give a shit about. Um, and they reference other things that I also don't give a shit about because it's been four months. <laughs> so they approach this episode poorly and or they really should have shortened the episode order for season five because of the pandemic and the constraints of that and the fact that Vanessa Morgan was going to have to be out for maternity leave and that was going to have to remove her character for a portion and then just be like you know what we'll be back in August you have to ask the question would this show be any better if they didn't fuck with the schedule near constantly I understand that this season is totally different it really is they but they don't they don't fuck with the schedule the the thing that's happened is when when we've seen the schedule fucked with there's outside forces. The Olympics fucked them one year. Yeah. That was one whole thing that made no sense. <laughs> and then it was, uh, then uh, they they um, lost a very uh, important cast member. Oh, also, God. Yeah. Also not their fault. No. And then a global pandemic. Also no one's fault. Definitely. So those things have affected the flow of their season. However, if you remove those things from this season, it doesn't change it. And this is one they knew about. This is one that they could have uh, edited to, written towards. There's no way that they were like, oh, we, uh, uh, we, we didn't know. Uh, we didn't know this was going to end up being our premiere episode. Um, I call bullshit because here's the <laughs> thing. If they knew that they were going to have to split off this way. This episode could have been the mid-season finale because it would have been a better finale. It's a bigger cliffhanger. It's a better cliffhanger, honestly. Yeah. Because we know Jughead's not dead. We knew that at the end of episode 10. We knew that. <laughs> so so it was always the question of where's Jughead? What happened to him? Okay, now we know. We don't really know what happened to him, but we know he's going to go on this path. But what does that mean? That's fine. That's fine. But that's literally the only thing that happened in this episode. Everything else is bullshit. And then we know that we know what the next uh, we've already watched the next time on. Like, we're not going to pretend we have it. <laughs> and we know what we know what's coming next. So it's like, OK, that's a better uh, midseason premiere with this. It is. That we're, we know the next episode is going to be a flashback episode. So it's like, OK, if you really want to make this back half of this season twisty Hiram is the true bona fide villain again then okay let's start this half of the season with his story if that's this important that you're going to devote an entire episode to his origin story if you will 
make that your premiere. Major misstep. Major misstep. It's like they don't think about what they're going to do. I know this isn't how it happens because it's probably like long ass committee meetings and they take weeks and who long. But it's it's rarely one person's fault. Rarely. Doesn't mean it isn't. But it's rarely one person's decision. And I'm not saying the episode as a whole is bad. It's not. But I don't care. And as and as a mid-season premiere, it's garbage. It's absolute shit. It just feels, and we've mentioned I've said this many times, it feels like they have no clue. They do. They have to because there's been five months. But the way they did this, they made it feel like they came up with this the week before and turned it in to just get a passing grade. Okay, but we also have to be clear here. They didn't just write this. This has been done since March. They finished (laughs) filming all of season five in June. They're about to go back in September to start season six. I don't understand how it feels this bad when it's this long advance known. I don't get it. I. <sighs> but do we expect anything less from this show? No. And I, I really think we're uh, like this. This type of stuff makes me feel like we're definitely headed towards season six being the last season. Let it let it be. Go out with a bang. Like Here's the, here's the thing. Pick an ending. Yeah. But I have a feeling we're getting close to it because the core four, they're getting other jobs. They're all getting other jobs. They are not hurting for work. They can do other things. And you are clearly running out of story to tell for these characters. Well, you're you're fucking like the, the fandom's not happy. <laughs> to say the least. I didn't see a lot of this episode was great. I'm so excited. This was like, I didn't see a lot of that. And like, even the fandom that is very pro Varchi is bored. They're bored with it. Uh. <laughs> it's just, it's just blech. 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 But you know what I haven't done in a while? Hmm. I haven't recapped a recap. Yeah, you get to recap a recap. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't do this the entire first half of the season. Which is not, on the one hand, is nonsense, but also I understand, hey, pandemic, y'all been home, y'all been watching this shit, you know what's up. <laughs> There's a part of me that goes, fair enough. Let's not waste the extra three minutes of airtime. <sighs> All right. Chattykins extorts Veronica. She can't come home to Archie. Betty's trying to find Polly. Jughead downs some shrooms. Tabitha handcuffs him to a desk, but she finds a bloody handcuff. Hiram orchestrates a prison break, and he has the prisoner smash the school. Yep. Okay. So that's what's happened. So we start the episode with Archie and Kevin and Weatherby and Alice walking through the halls and they're discussing like, okay, everything's been stripped out. They've trashed the place. And they're just like, okay, Archie, how long is it going to take to fix this? Because that's what, Ar- you know, aside from being a teacher, Archie's also a contractor. Fair. And Archie says, it's going to be three weeks if I can even get a crew together. Kevin says, you know, you can count on me. Great. Cause Kevin's always there. Cool. <laughs> and, uh, Alice is just like, okay, great. Uh, I guess it's back to remote learning, which is the first uh, reference we've had in universe to any sort of pandemic Zoom life, which is fine. This world does not exist in our world, so I'm fine with them not having any of it. But it's it's a very gentle nod without taking us out of our, of the Riverdale world. So that's cool. I'm, yeah. I, I thought it was I thought it was well done. I, we don't need our escape television to bring us back to reality. That sucks. But at the same time, it's nice to be like, yeah, 
It was it was less of a, a body slam into sure. reality and more of a subtle eyebrow raise. <laughs> yeah, it was just like well, we, you know, this is just uh-huh. this, this is what we do uh-huh. when we gotta do it. Fair, I appreciate it. This is the first time in this episode, and I wrote it many times. Um, so we're just not gonna talk about what happened with Kevin. This is not this is not when you would talk about what happened with Kevin at all. Fair, it's not Fair. appropriate. There's another time where you would have you would have think there would have been a knowing glance or a show of the awkwardness of that is occurring between them. That that is later. I just wrote we need to talk about Kevin. I've been saying that for five <laughs> seasons. For five seasons. Seriously. Cut over to the Pembroke. Veronica's showing up. Oh, Smithers is there because he's still alive. Which is a miracle. And she is super, super excited. She wants this delivery. It's an opal because she's the dude from Uncut Gems. That's this the is ult- how I win. That literally, that is all she is. Frame for frame, the setup of her store, all of it is just that. And on the one hand, cool. I'm here for it. But also lazy. <laughs> lazy as fuck. Well, lazy because they didn't buy into it at all, right? Like they they did no setup. Yeah, there's no setup, and that I mean, Ver- Veronica's story is the laziest, but whatever. Anyways, she's got this gem, blah 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 blah. Smithers says, "Hey, um, uh, your father's prison was compromised, and the town was flooded with uh, convicts, and Riverdale High was uh, hit the hardest." And she goes, "Oh my god." And so then, so we cut directly to her knocking on Archie's door, to which Archie's like, "Oh hi, yeah, I'm I'm fine, but it could have been worse." So how what happened with Chad? Because this is literally taking place right after that, like it like a weekend later. Yep. Uh, he's like, "Did he sign the divorce papers?" Uh, not exactly. Uh, for legal reasons, I can't get into it. <laughs> which is fair. That is true. The situation she is currently, in. which is like true. Like I and I also like understand her being like I can't tell you all the details, but he's he's gonna he's gonna make this difficult. Uh huh. And so yeah, it's it's not as simple as we were hoping it was gonna be. Okay, fair. That's cool. But here's what I'm actually like. This is what they did really well, and I'm pr- this this is where. The best grow up of all of them was Archie. Look at our grown up mature boy. <laughs> He's like, okay, I appreciate it. But until you and Chad are officially done, I think we should keep our distance. I mean, we can be friends, but that's it. And not until those papers are signed. And I love it. And like Veronica is so disappointed and she is so thrown off on like, she's, she's just, she's not expecting this at all because it's Archie Kins. Mm-hmm. Archie can, he'll just do whatever I want him to. And he is just like, no, because he was done with that phone call. Like he's done. It's like, yeah, it's just Yeah, he he's he's done not having boundaries in his fucking life. <laughs> like and, and 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 he's like, I don't I don't want to close this book entirely. I really, really like you, but until you figure out your shit, I've got too much other stuff to deal with. No, he keeps getting fucked over by the men in Veronica's life. Oh my god. Her dad is wreaking havoc on his life still. He's almost died several times because of her father. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that Archie now, especially as we see later, like he don't give a fuck about Hiram. Like he don't give two shits about this jackass. Like, fuck you, dude. But it's like, no, your weasel ass husband, you deal with him. This is not my problem. And it will not be my problem because we are not going to be a thing until you're done with him. Okay. Correct. Cool. So I like this. And also, I feel like he learned this 
from Betty. Yeah. I feel like his relationship with Betty taught him like boundaries. 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 Healthy it's, boundaries. Um, not that Betty's great with her boundaries, <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I am going to applaud the incremental growth. God, just, just so proud of our dumb, dumb boy. Yeah. And so Archie's just like, I'm going to be busy anyways. I told Tom I'd help round up any convicts who are still causing trouble, which of course that's what Archie's going to do because he's he's Archie. He's turning into the de facto mayor of Riverdale. He's a deputy. He's a deputy. I said I wanted a deputy and by golly, it's going to be Archie. Yeah, finally got one. He's the fireman, deputy, policeman. Uh, Great. School teacher. School teacher. <laughs> Business owner. Mayor. <laughs> White Knight of Riverdale. <laughs> Captain Pureheart. So we go over to Thornhill and Cheryl is talking with Nana Rose and in walks Penelope and she's just a little too happy and she starts, apparently she started her own ministry in prison <laughs> and she's going to use it to do good work in this wicked little town. Nice callback to Hedwig. Yep. And she's going to hold two services today right here on the estate. And Cheryl's like, shouldn't you be hiding in the walls again? Perchance the popo come a knocking. This <laughs> is great. It's great. It's a, it's a great Cheryl dig. Mom, get back in the walls and hide. <laughs> For the first half of this episode, Cheryl is so perfect. Cheryl's, <laughs> Cheryl's tra- takedown of her insane mother is great. It's great. But we found out that because of her active spiritual work, she was up for early parole. <laughs> and um, she was like, okay, what we need is money and not some sham religion created by and for convicts. And Penelope has uh, is fully taking this on. God is on our side, child. When we start this church, he will provide. Now, I'm going to call it right now. Penelope is putting the grift on Cheryl. Oh, this is all a grift. No, no, no. no. Okay. There is, there is a world in which they would make this cult 2.0 and Penelope is a true believer. There's a world where they would do that, but I'm calling it now that Penelope is full on acting as a true believer to get the grift on Cheryl so that she can have Thornhill. She can use all of its resources, blah, 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 use Cheryl to help sell the whole Jason bullshit that shows up later. I'm calling it now. Penelope, this is a grift from Penelope's being. In a in a better world, mm-hmm. this would actually be about trying to reconnect with her daughter. Oh, but it's not. Uh, but nightmare. it never She's will. nightmare child. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I said, there's there's a way that this story could work out. But at the end of the day, with the absolute shallow depth of writing for this show, mm-hmm. we really, really, really need it to just be a full-on fucking grift. Yeah. Like, this is a con game. Everybody's going to try to con everybody else. That's yeah. the way to play this. Everybody's going to try and out-con somebody. It would um, be so fun if that's what's going I'm, on. I'm I'm look forward to the faith healing with Nana Rose. It's going to happen. <laughs> I do I have I have to mention when you when you open that scene, mm-hmm. you hear them whispering. It's like, "Yeah, but you're you're legally senile." <laughs> well, you are legally senile. <laughs> right. Um, I think, and I think Nana's like lucid, just like I, I just can't do it on these days. It's it's great. And then the actress who plays Nana Rose is precious. And they're really, having too much fun. She's she is having a lot of fun with this. Like um, as much as we hate the blossoms, they're having fun together. The, the lunacy. You gotta lean into it. It's true. You gotta lean into it for your paycheck. 
we cut on over to Betty. She's truck driving or she's she's stopping in her truck. She's she's taking note of different uh, license plates in different truck yards. She's doing her Betty investigation thing. Cool. She gets a phone call. It's from Tabitha Tate. They've they, they've never talked on the phone before. So it's a little awkward. And Tabitha's just like, hey, look, I can't find Jughead. And Betty's like, I, he's been known to go off the grid. She's yeah. But um, yeah, this is not good. And Betty's like, fine, I'll be by Pops tomorrow. I can check in if you want. Tabitha's like, okay, great. And then as Tabitha hangs up, someone is there to rob her. Uh, they want all the money. And then they get knocked out. And you know, Penelope's standing right there. <laughs> and then we we do a very quick cut to that gentleman in the hospital bed with Tom and Archie being like Jeremiah Peterson serving five to ten years for two counts of armed robbery. And so basically it's a convict that they've now caught and they're trying to find other convicts with this guy's information. He doesn't want to talk. And Archie's like, okay, maybe he'll talk after he's had some painkillers. And they're like, okay, fine. And Tom says, I'll look in on him periodically. Tom Keller gets hotter the scruffier he gets. My God. Yeah. That's Martin Cummins look. Okay. That, that half button down shirt with the with the sheriff's jacket. Woof. It's been hot all the time. This whole time. This whole time. The whole damn this, show. This whole show. This whole show, I've been saying it. Cut over to Veronica. She's at her store and she's showing her opal to the buyer. It's fabulous. She buzzes someone in. Hey, look, it's those weirdos from Thanksgiving. Seven years. Old. <laughs> I'm sorry. The transcript says psychos. And they're here for a smash and grab. So they trash her, her jewelry shop and take her opal and they leave. And then Veronica says what everyone has been saying this entire time. What the hell just happened? Riverdale. It's Darlin' Dodger. Darlin' Dodger. Dodger, smash and grab. Does she not have alarms in there? Like, I maybe there's a silent alarm, but it's wild to me. She, that... she goes to try to press the button and she tells her, don't even think about it. Okay, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad Veronica didn't place a, like... 11 point bet on the Celtics, but also screw everybody out of their money. Uncut Gems is a great movie. I just think it's a poor character choice for Veronica's future. <laughs> I, I like, I, I get it. I get the cultural reference at the time, like now, but like also, it's a like, it wasn't a big enough blow up for the audience of Riverdale to care about. So poor choice. The, the Venn diagram of people who saw Uncut Gems and the people who watch Riverdale do not seem to intersect very much to me. I, I, I want to see the, the research on that. I want to <laughs> see. If there was actual research done on that, I want to see it. That's I want to see it. I want to see it. I mean, technically, there's two. It's us. And if, <laughs> if, if y'all are going to start making this show for us, you're doing a really shitty job. So bad. So bad. I have I have a lot of notes for you. <laughs> I'll be happy to come to California to, to Vancouver anytime, and we can have a discussion. Um, also, Zoom is readily available. We can talk. Just cornering the cast, going, you guys could tell us, right? Like you, you, you could tell us. <laughs> I'm at Modcaster on Twitter. I'm easy to find. <laughs> we, can, we can have we can have a conversation. Come on, it'll be easy. So then we go over to Archie. And Kevin and Fangs, they're working on cleaning up the school. Like they're doing, they're cleaning up the debris. And this is where we should have gotten at least the tension between Kevin and Fangs. 
because Kevin and Fangs are not going to not be around each other, which I appreciate. I do appreciate that there's this like we have the same friend group. Something bad happened in our town. It's our responsibility to help clean it up. So we're, we're just going to be here. But like we needed to see them like passing each other and it just being like, I can't look at you. I can't talk to you. Like there should have been something in this moment. This is the time to take those 10, 15 seconds to show us shit is tense between Kevin and Fangs because we got nothing. They're just always in the same room. They're in the same group and there's nothing happening. And yes, all of that stuff could be happening, but there's no glance. There's nothing. And it would have taken that little time to show us if you're going to bother putting them in the room and you're going to have these both these guys be full cast members, you need to give them those 10 seconds. Give it to them. Give them that moment. Give them that glance. Give them that awkwardness so that we as an audience know shit is not good between them yet. I don't care if you ever fix it between them or not, but we deserve that. We've been waiting four months. If if they wind up having a very special Kings episode later on in this season and they do none of the goddamn groundwork, they won't. It's going to be so frustrating. <laughs> well, at some point, Tony returns and she's, she'll have had her baby and... Now we've got to deal with that shit. Well, we've got to deal with that. But also the father, fathers, sorry, the fathers are supposed to be Kevin and Fangs. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with that? Is Kevin not going to be a parent anymore? And it's just going to be Fangs? Okay, fine. But we have to explain that to everybody. So anyways, fine. Whatever. (laughs) It's going to be a fucking disaster. But... Uh, they're cleaning up and they've got the TV going and there's the news. And then we hear it's Governor Dooley on the TV talking about the escapees and a wonderful citizen from the former, uh, the town formerly known as Riverdale. Hiram Lodge is offering a reward for information that leads to the safe capture of any and all prisoners. And so, the, you know, they do what they do. They all get like, this is just a publicity stunt. He he sets them free and now he's given money to get them back. This is just a PR stunt. And Archie just is like, grabs his coat and starts leaving like what are you doing he's like we need money to fix the school they're offering it i'm gonna go round up some criminals and i'm getting money bye which younger dumber archie would have been like this is a hiram lodge joint i'm gonna just get justice and show that he's being bad no archie's just looking it's like i was gonna get criminals anyways and i need money so i'm just gonna i'm gonna go to the guy with the money and i'm gonna get some fucking money I don't care. <laughs> I'm I'm the system is fucked. I'm going to use the system to my advantage by. Like this is what we're doing. <laughs> this is these are the parameters I have to work within. I'm going to do that. I'm fine with that. Grown-up Archie stopped giving any fucks and it's quite awesome. I like but here's the thing, but that's what gr- more more grown people do. Like, yes, the system is fucked. You're the guy who's fucking me, but you're forking over money. I'll take it. I'm going to take your fucking money. Uh-huh. For something I was going to do anyways. Cool. So Archie shows up at Hiram's office with Governor Dooley in it. And there's, if it isn't my old friend, Archie, (laughs) he's just like, okay, give me a list. Okay, here's your list. All right, you'll hear from me. Keep your checkbook handy. And so Archie leaves. So that's been established that they still hate each other. Fine. (laughs) What? Did we doubt that? I feel like that's their first interaction for this season. I, th- I think that's the first time Hiram and Archie have actually interacted. No, because they interact. They have the the Did whole. They? they have the whole meeting in town council shit. Oh, that's right. That's true. But I yeah. this this was their. I feel like this is their first one on one though. I don't know. 
I don't know. Anyways, it was great. And Governor Dooley is like, hey, give me the fucking palladium. And Hiram's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> we didn't find any under the prison. And he's like, I don't believe you. 24 hours or you change your tune. And so Governor Dooley starts to leave. And Hiram's just like, be careful. A lot of dangerous folks still on the loose might want to watch your back. Is Governor Dooley the governor of the state of New York? Sure. Is that what, if Riverdale's in New York. We assume it is. And he's the goddamn governor of the state of New York. And he's dressed like a cowboy. Why does he give a shit about a low-level mobster? Because there's palladium and it's worth a lot of money. The governor shit of it all is is so dumb to me. Here's, Here's the thing. Riverdale geographically is New York, Vermont. Okay. But they treat it like it's Georgia. (laughs) They act act like it's Georgia. Kind of, and yet not. Like Like Georgia, but it's right next to New York City. That's what doesn't make sense. It's fucking dumb. The tone is really, it's really off here. We go back to Veronica's jewelry shop, which is in the shambles, and Reggie shows up, and Veronica's slightly excited, but also annoyed. Reggie's just like, uh, you said you need my help, but I'm done doing cleanup work. And <laughs> Veronica's just like, okay, so um, thanks to uh, your and my father's machinations, that thug Dodger Dickinson and his crazy mom ravaged my store and they got away with my stock and this crazy blue opal, you're going to help me find. And Reggie's just like, no, this is not high school, Ronnie. I work for one lodge and it's not you. <laughs> Which I love him. I love him. And Veronica asked the question that we've been asking all season. How did that even happen? Which we get new information. My dad got into some money troubles and turned to your dad for help. And now I'm working off my old man's debt. Okay. All right. So now we now we know how that happened, which is great. We, we should have had that information by now, but I'm glad that we've got it. And it also makes, it makes sense that Reggie told Veronica. Yeah. Of everyone in this group, the, if it wasn't going to be Archie, who he's got bro-ness with, it would have been Veronica. <laughs> It would have been Veronica. He, oh, he's he, never, he's not going to tell Archie that. They're, they're bronomies. They're, they're bronomies right now. They'll come, they'll come back around. But, but it's Veronica. Cause he yeah. did, he was kind of in love with her. So I'm, I'm here for it. She tells him, you know, it's time to switch sides. And he's like, nah, the bad guys pay better, but I'll help you find a rock for old time's sake. And <laughs> to me, that's just him being like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to not work for your dad, but I will help you because I need a friend. He needs his friend. I, he, does, he does not like who he's become. I am still holding to what I said about him at the beginning of this season that he, once his friend showed up back in town, he saw the reflection of what they saw of him. He was like, fuck, fuck. I mean, yes. And mm-hmm. I think that it's he's compartmentalizing those two parts of himself where he's like, my day-to-day work, because he, he'll, he'll stand up against Hiram. We see him do it when it's like, we're not going to go hurt an innocent kid. Like, fuck you, my dude. It, yeah, but it only goes so far. Like, yeah. the, stakes, the stakes are low for Reggie when it comes to saying no to Hiram. Yeah, but for him, he's like, I will do whatever this weird evil plot is because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect most of us yet. Yeah. But I'm not going to go out of my way to just hurt people for no good fucking reason. 
Mm-hmm. And that that's, to me, even the bigger conflict for him. Of He's like, how much of this is just, well, he's got this weird bullshit that he does, so I'm just going to deal with that, <laughs> versus where, where, when are we actually starting to hurt my friends and the people I care about? I, I don't really think it's that, because he's Hiram's always been this way, and he's always trying to fuck over his daughter and basically everyone. I really do think it comes down to Reggie needs a friend. And here's an, oppor- here's an opportunity for him to help someone he wants to be his friend in a way that doesn't interact with Hiram. It doesn't impact that at all. Yep. And funnily enough, it works out that he gets to look good for his boss, too. A little bit. So we cut on over to Pops and Tabitha has told Betty what occurred. But he's like, OK, so Jughead taking psychedelics to help him right now. I guess I'm only sort of surprised. <laughs> which is fair. Um, and Tabitha, you know, tells her about, you know, hey, I had him cuffed because I thought it would contain him. I couldn't stay. Not after. And Betty's like, what? Just like, well, he made a pass at me. And then he said, don't be such a Betty. First sign of fun. You try to kill it. To which Betty just kind of she kind of does that thing where it's like, of course, he said some bullshit like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like like she's not like she's insulted. It hurts. But also like, I'm not surprised. And then I really do love this. I again, I'm really happy they had her say this. Like, okay, I'm sorry that Jack had put you in that really awful position because yes, that was mm-hmm. an awful position. But he shouldn't really be my problem anymore. Also fabulous. True. He's not my boyfriend anymore. Not my problem. Or yours for that matter. Correct. Mm-hmm. He treated you like shit. He should not be your problem. Love that. But yeah, I'll help because Betty's going to Betty. <laughs> but then she does add a little bit more weight to it. And it's like the last time we didn't act on a missing person was my sister. So we'll start in the bunker. I want to see it for myself. So love those lines. Those are great and important, um, especially with the behavior from Jughead. Like nobody, but especially women, because women are given shit. And we're going to see more of this later. Uh, women are given a lot of shit when they don't kowtow to the desires of men. So no, fuck them. <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. So we now we go over to the hospital because ugh, we got to follow up on what Tom's doing. And so he walks in on uh, the same robber and he sees a nurse like, hey, what are you giving him? That's my prisoner. And the nurse turns around and Darla Dickinson. And she says, I didn't realize I made such an impression on you folks. And she just knocks him out she kicks him on the ground and the sound effect they used they made a squelching noise which made me think she fucking killed him like (laughs) we're not allowed to lose any more parents did we murder tom keller no we are not allowed to lose any more parents there just has to be a rule especially not thomas keller We're down to one hot dad of Riverdale. Only one. I can't count Mark Consuelos because he's playing an evil guy. We're down to one. He's holding all the court. I can't. Mark Consuelos (laughs) is the hot villain of Riverdale. He is very attractive, but he's not smoldering hot. He's just not. It's not not the same as Tom and FP and Fred. It's just not. (laughs) It's just not. (laughs) We need more dads. Oh, Fangs. Fangs is about to become a daddy. It'll be okay. That's true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> right. Okay, so she makes a phone call and she's like, hey, 
Jeremiah won't be saying much of anything to anyone. And I hooked us a bonus prize too. So she's, so she's there. She's basically, she's going to take him captive. So now we're down in the bunker and Betty's like, oh, Jughead left his phone. So that's a lovely sign. That's not good. (laughs) And then she sees the manuscript and she's like, okay, this is going to be really cringy, but we need to read this and see if there's any clues. We'll each take half. Tab's like, oh no, what what are we looking at? Anything that could be a lead, conspicuous location or person that he he mentions. So, oh, great. They're going to have to read this thing. And also that last book he wrote, not so good. Well, the the outcast, the one that he got famous for, he shat on everybody he knew. So pretty much, <laughs> you know, not looking forward to whatever this could be. Uh, and then we cut over to Jughead, who's uh, laying on the ground. And we hear a bunch of men laughing and we're next to a trash can fire. And we learn pretty quickly that we're in Sketch Alley and these men are businessmen. And they're like, hey, you want to make some money? You fall on hard time. And Jacket's like, no, I'm, I'm just trying to stay warm. And uh, they offer him some money. He's like, here, take it. So he goes to take it and they punch him. And then he fall- then he falls to the ground and they just keep. You know, they kind of kick him a little bit and Jughead just keeps grunting and, you know, he just covering his head and whatnot and they laugh and leave. Yeah, Uh, that's fun. Yeah. And so if you don't, if you didn't know what this is, they give you a lovely flashback to it later. Um, This is uh, Jughead's shameful story that he told when he was at Stonewall Prep, Mm. but he's living it now. Yeah. I knew when I saw this, I was like, we've seen this before. We've heard about this before. So I was like, is this a flashback? This is a flash forward. I was like, where is this in time? Because it felt very weird to me. I think this is now, but that is interesting in that. Why did he wind up there after tripping? Guarantee you it's that in his mind, this is the next place I need to go to figure this stuff out. Sure. uh, That was the next closest place for him. Um, but yeah, this is unlocking that trauma, shameful thing for him. Mm-hmm. It was it was the it was the first thing, next closest shameful thing for him that he remembers that he could have fixed. He could have done something and he didn't. At least that was his admission when he was 17, 18 years old. Wow, that's a deep writing, Riverdale. I, I appreciated that pull. I was like, that's a nice callback to previous information we've been given about this character. So we cut on over to the Andrews house and the, the boys are theorizing. <laughs> they're, they're, they're getting a plan together about these convicts. Uncle Frank's there too. Archie's referencing mom. It's like, hey, mom's building the case. I should grant you an early release because of your heroism. You showed the night of the prison break. And if you can help find these convicts, it should bolster your chances. And Frank's like, hells yeah, I'll help you find them. I might even know where some of these guys are hiding. I heard of a group of convicts squatting at an old tuna fish warehouse out on the docks. So uh, that's where they're going to start. And uh, Kevin's on his phone and they're like, hey, what's going on? It's like straight to voicemail again. Um, Thanks for asking. And Arch is like, hey, I talked to your dad earlier. Um, He knew we were meeting here. And Kevin's like, yeah, well, it's Riverdale. He could literally be doing anything. He's not wrong. (laughs) This is fair. It's not the first time dad's kind of gone missing. He has every reason to be worried. Dads tend to get shot. So (laughs) (laughs) you're not. Oh, God. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Dads get shot. Ah, this fucking show. Moms join cults. Dads get shot. That's the MO of this show. We've done it twice now. Twice now for both. 
This is why Mary Andrews went to Chicago and stays there. I'm going to stay away. She just came out of the closet and left. She's like, I'm going to be happy somewhere else. I'm getting the fuck away from this town. Yep. So they, uh, Frank asks, are we going in armed? And Archie's like, yeah, batons, tasers, and zip ties, no guns, minimal bloodshed. Let's go get them. Oh, okay. Okay. Whatever, Captain Pureheart. <laughs> hey, remember the they had that badass when they raided the house. The Andrews house was amazing. That was the shit. <laughs> Literally the raid. <laughs> it was a raid. It was fabulous. Uh, we go back to the bunker. Tabitha and Betty are just like, okay, <laughs> mothmen and mole people. So nothing. We have nothing. So Betty's like, where did these shrooms come from? Finds out about Jessica and Betty's just like, okay. Maybe he's reached out to her. So she picks up his phone and she enters the passcode. She's like, seven years later, still the same passcode. I did look this up. As of the recording, this it has not been confirmed by the show. But we're pretty certain that the passcode is 12617. We can confirm that the last digits are 17. Okay. That date would be the date Riverdale aired. First aired. That would be the premiere date. Here's the thing. If you're going to put a number in a show like that, it has to mean something. Yeah, that's so funny. I'm I'm fine with it. Cute. Great. Cute. So she gets on the phone. She calls Jessica. She's like, hey, this is Betty. <gasps> the Betty? <laughs> and Betty's just kind of like, fuck. Oh, God damn it. So anyways, they go back and forth. Jessica's like, yeah, but Jughead just goes on walk. Like he goes crazy on like walkabouts in the woods. And like, yeah, we can't find him. But like, he's not blocked. He wrote a whole book. And Jessica's like, I thought Diner Girl was supposed to watch him. Okay, oh, well, I'll come look for him. But I says, no, you don't need to. Oh, well, he owes me $500, so text me your address. <laughs> okay. Okay, see you tomorrow. And so they're just like, okay, this is going to be weird, but she could help us, and I'm a little curious now. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> uh, you know, the first time I watched it, I didn't really catch all the fucking hints they were dropping, mm-hmm. but very quickly, oh, they yeah. make it very clear why the fuck Jessica is interested in getting the fuck down there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, the dialogue here is shit. They could have done better because she wants that book and not for the reasons that they're giving. They're so uh, I'm, I'm mad that my Cora prediction didn't come true. It could still come true, but it I could still come true. That would have been the best. And I was like, I was kind of hoping, oh, maybe it's Jessica. Jessica's the one who did it to him. Because I was like, that would been fine too, but Cora would have been a cooler pull. What, just... what if we have a whole Scott Pilgrim situation? You got to face all of Jughead's ex-girlfriends. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones we've seen on screen. We're done. <laughs> there could be more we don't know about. I mean, Tony, but they didn't sleep together. They just kissed. She yeah, they just really made for a while. Hey, that doesn't really, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't count. Because uh, I don't want to disqualify the feelings they had for each other for like five minutes, but like, <laughs> whatever. We're going to go to church now. <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. So we go to church, and Penelope has robes. It's great. <laughs> and there's people there already. And like, Cheryl is so annoyed by all of this. But then Penelope speaks of her son, Jason. So she's talking, and Cheryl interrupts, Who's he? Who's who? Who's who's sweet water? Are we uh, are we drinking? And Mumsy says, "I speak of my son, Jason." To which Cheryl's pissed. Oh, so angry! 
very very pissed and uh yeah but she has turned jason into jesus yep she's turned into jesus and she's like if you have any coins or bills that you could spare even a penny will help ensure riverdale's spiritual future praise be oh penelope yeah so she's she's become a full-on religious grift which is (laughs) great the way she just slides on into the collection plate and if you have any coins coins are bills bills <laughs> like bills. bills now coins bills please right, so now we go to the tuna warehouse <laughs> what an oddly specific choice they could have just said warehouse and we would have been fine i gotta be specific about what kind of warehouse it is because someone's gonna end up live frank's gonna live there later i don't know <laughs> Frank's going to buy it and turn it into a restaurant. And that's become the new place they all go out to dinner. Frank's tuna shack. (laughs) Frank's tuna shrimp. I don't know. It's going to be like bubblegum shrimp, but it's going to be Frank's. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. It's going to become Frank's. That's my prediction. He's going to turn into a restaurant. He's going to live above the restaurant. That's what's going to happen. Because that's what we do here. Bubblegum shrimp. uh, 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 Andrew's tuna. Whatever. Fred's tuna. He's gonna name it after Fred. Whatever. I don't care. Oh God. Anyways, so Dodger gets up to go pee. He says, "I'm gonna drain the vein," which is ew. I hate that. I hate that phrase. So he leaves, and all the dudes show up, and Veronica and Reggie are there too. And Archie's like, "What are you doing here?" And uh, she's like, "Well, I we I, I we're here to get my opal, but you could help me." Uh, you know, I could have, you know, but now Dodgers slipped through our fingers. It's all your fault. And Archie's pissed. This is where he actually like yells at her. He's like, let me get this straight. You went off to New York, which I didn't want you to do. You may or may not have spent the night with your husband who definitely didn't sign any divorce papers. And now you want me to find some rock for you. <laughs> which I. Veronica's in a bind, like an actual bind. Like, no, I'm just. I'm trying the phrasing of this is very well threaded because it's not in a shamey way. He's 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 clearly trying not to accuse her of doing something he's not entirely sure she did or not. He has no official confirmation, but she's also not told him anything. But it's like you spent the night with your husband and then he didn't sign the papers. So what else am I supposed to expect? Well, it goes it it goes back to what you said of mm-hmm. just like you have now involved me in some wild fucking goose chase shenanigans yet again. Yeah. Why? <laughs> like, we went from you went to New York, which I really didn't think you should do, yeah. to now you have to track down a fucking stolen opal? No, no, but her her response to this just shows to me that he is right in being like, I am not going to be with you until uh-huh. you're done with him. Because her response is, I'm sorry about what happened with me and Chad, but you're going after the Dickens no matter what, right? Then you can get me my opal. Like, it's Veronica. That's classic Veronica. Just do what I want you to do anyways. Just do it. And his response is fine. <laughs> because he's still Archie. So all of this is funny too, because Veronica in this situation is in an actual bind. Mm-hmm. and does not care about the convict shit. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what's going on with that, but she knows her opal's wrapped up in it, and she's got to get money. She just sees her opal as, I can get a big influx of cash so I can start paying off Chad's investors, and I've got to pay them off so I can get rid of him. But we all know, and this is where Veronica's being stupid, she's going to pay off all those investors, and it's not going to happen. Chad's not going to let you go. 
So we cut on over to Jughead and he is now inside some sort of shelter. Mm -hmm. And we hear a dog barking and he's uh, starting to wake up from having been asleep and he starts sitting up. And this gentleman who appears to be homeless, we've actually seen him before. Um, He's the one who came into the El Royale and was like, hey, you know, this used to be a place where you're hanging out. Like he's the one who talked to the fireman and he's just he's uh this guy is telling jughead like you should rush you're pretty banged up and jughead's like oh you you changed my bad bandages like yeah you've got a fever you probably got an infection i gave you some aspirin but you really need your some antibiotics and i sent a pal out to get you some and uh you know he wraps him in some blankets and uh yeah this guy kicked tar out of you you're lucky to be alive and jughead's like you know thanks and uh jughead's like what, what what's your name Oh, Calvin, but people call me Doc. And when he hears that, this is when we get the flashback to Jughead telling his story at Stonewall. It's like, there was a guy named Doc and he would stay up all night to make sure the junkies didn't mess with me. And one day, these drunken businessmen who had heard about our little shanty town, they found Doc and they beat the life out of him. And I didn't move. I didn't see anything. I watched. So then we go back to present day and Doc looks at Jughead and is like, hey, what's yours? And Jughead stammers for a minute and goes, Henry uh, and Doc just goes, oh, well, you want to tell me how you ended up on Sketch Alley? And Doc is like, I took some bad shrooms, had a bad trip, and I was out for a while, and I guess I wandered here. Uh, and so he starts to go, I should really go. Thank you. And then he's just like, oh, he gets a little dizzy. And Doc's just like, mm, my friend will be back soon. You're not going anywhere. You should sleep. And he just kind of puts him back to bed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's really not much to say about this like it's a fine story and a fine callback but to what end that's that's the question you have to ask yourself well this is where i was very much going this should have been the mid-season finale yeah because this raises more questions for me than the last one did it re- the last the, the last one didn't really present me with a ton of questions other than i want to see what happens next but this does uh, we cut over to Hiram. He's on the phone. He says, hey, Donald, it's Hiram. I have some new information regarding what we were discussing earlier. And if you could meet me ASAP, I'm at the office. Then we find out that Hiram has been put up to this phone call. Uh-huh. And Hiram looks at Ted, <laughs> or a.k.a. the Punisher. Oh, God, I forgot about that. And asks, satisfied, not until I get my share of the palladium, or you're dead, or both. Yeah, oh, it's the Punisher who nearly killed Archie previously. This is the stupidest fucking prisoner ever. Yeah. I forgot he was the Punisher. Yeah, he's a beast. Like, literally. he's He was the Punisher. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, and that bathroom fight with Archie. That's This is that guy. Like, I remember the bathroom fight. I totally forgot the Punisher part of it, mm-hmm. where they, like, made him the sketchiest, dumbed-down version of the Punisher ever. And it's just like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, good times. So now we've got Betty and Tabitha and Jessica are in the garage at the Andrews house because this is where Jughead's been living and it is gross. Yeah. And Jessica just comes right in and she's like, hey, this is messier than our place in New York. And she's just like looking around. Luckily, I know all the hiding places, especially his and She's looking like she's looking very scattered. But the thing is, she's clearly not looking for drugs. 
she's only looking at papers. She's only looking at books. She's only looking at paperwork. And FBI agent Betty did not catch on to this in this scene. She should have. I'm actually going to give it a pass only because Betty only half cares about this bullshit. True. I I really think that's where they're going with it. Yeah. But it is it is so obvious how much she is just looking at anything that's related to papers or paperwork. She yeah. has no desire to look at any other fucking thing in any room she's in. She's not looking at anything that isn't paper. That's it. It's actually pretty brilliant, like, blocking for that character. <laughs> no, it's not. Because it should have started out with her looking in, like, little drawers. It, it should have started out really slowly. And as she doesn't find what she's looking for, she becomes less meticulous. This actually should have been almost a montage. It should have been, we're going to go very, like, oh, we need to come through the room. Let's look through every nook and cranny. And we see... All of them, Jessica included, looking through every tiny drawer, every pocket, every this, because we're looking for any other drugs he might have been taking, while also seeing her thumb through books, thumb through uh, paperwork, seeing that. And then we get to what's like, okay, where else could he be hiding out or hiding contraband? To which Betty says it's a long shot, but he did live under the stairs at Riverdale High. He has a desk there, same as the rest of us. To which Jessica's very eager. That's our next stop. So like that's that's how that's how we started out very slow. There was no slow burn. She just showed up instantly. And yes, I think there's supposed to be this aspect of her that she's that she's also doing drugs and whatnot, which is fine. But if she's supposed to be trying to con these two girls, she should be trying harder. (laughs) And also treat your audience with a little more intelligence. They played it for laughs, but they played it for laughs in such a sloppy way mm-hmm. that it didn't have the punch that we wanted later. Yeah. And so they go directly to the school and they're like, well, he's definitely not in the teacher's lounge and he's not under the stairs. I'm pretty sure he's not <laughs> hiding in his desk drawer. That's where we get the first joke. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's where it becomes. This is where it becomes obvious that she's only looking at paperwork. That's all she cares about. And that's fine. But this is where it should have, we should have seen it on Tabitha and Betty's faces of like, something's off with this chick. Okay, you, fine. You, you kind of do, but it should have been way more obvious. Yeah. And the fun part then is them deciding, no, we're not going to say anything. Where's she's going to, where is she going to go next? <laughs> Where's this lady going to go Where's next? Where's this lady going? <laughs> so then they mentioned the bunker and they're like, but we already checked. She's like, yeah, but you don't necessarily know what you're looking for. Take me there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This 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 was a missed opportunity. Yeah, well. So then we cut back to to Thornhill. You're shameless, Mumsy. Swindling those people out of their money whilst defiling the memory of JJ. The unmitigated gall of Cheryl Goddamn Blossom <laughs> as a character. And <laughs> and basically Cheryl's just like, hey, I've been haunted by all your bullshit and your gaslighting, and I don't believe in an afterlife. Like, it's just, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. I've been around enough dead bodies for a lifetime. I'm done. You showed me that, that there's nothing internal, just the cruelty of mothers. Great. And um, she says, you know, any faith I had went up in flames when I gave Jason his Viking funeral. Okay, cool. Uh, A very cathartic thing that Cheryl needed to say to her mom. Yes. Great. Cool. 
I'm fine with this moment. It was, it's been coming for a long time. Appreciated it. Good. But Penelope's going to Penelope. But Cheryl, there is a realm beyond this mortal coil where maple syrup flows in rivers. (laughs) Don't you want to be a part of something larger? And Cheryl's just like, of course I do. I just don't think you're a part of it, mother. Boo. (laughs) Love it. Love it. She's like, yeah, of course I do. Because that is true. I, I really, this scene was great because Penelope's on a grift. Sure. Yes. Penelope asked a question that Cheryl had been asking herself. Yeah. Um, You know, Cheryl had like stolen herself away and hidden herself because she thought she was cursed. And she thought everything I touch turns to gross and evil. And that was so sad, but so fair. So fair because she didn't trust herself. But also she desperately needs therapy. And I love that. I like that that's a callback because that's true. I think that is so true to who she is. She does want to be a part of something bigger. But I also like how she's being very honest. I just don't think you're a part of that mother. <laughs> like, yeah. like the thing that you're making is not it. And also whatever I'm supposed to be a part of that's bigger than me has nothing to do with you. I will say too, the acting from Penelope here is is interesting and throws mm-hmm. a potential wrench slash red herring. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, she's playing the religious victim face. Sure. But what is interesting is when Cheryl hits on those very specific attacks mm-hmm. at her mom, uh-huh. there is this genuine look of, well, I really fucked her up, didn't I? And I know that that could be, at the end of the day, they will probably never deal with it. But if this were a stronger show, that would be this one level of part of this is to get back with you, daughter. I want to have a relationship. See, I don't think that's it. I don't, but there was that possibility that it showed me. See, I saw this as... I I, I, saw, I know what you're talking about, but I saw that more as, as Penelope being like, this is going to take a little bit more for, to get Cheryl on board. Yeah, that's more than likely what it is. Because she's always been able to twist Cheryl to her whims, but she's been gone for seven years. She's been in prison. So, yeah. Um, so, Veronica's... veronica <laughs> She has a phone call. It's dead. I can't talk right now. Uh, and then, oh... It's Ted on the phone. Uh, you don't know me, but my associates have taken your father hostage. He owes me something he won't give. If you want to see him or his fellow captive, Governor Dooley or Sheriff Keller alive again, you better follow my instructions. What do you want? <laughs> Veronica really is in uncut gems in this fucking episode. Half the time is just like, what? why am I involved in this? Okay. So like this whole conversation is so stupid. Like it's- oh, yeah. It's so pathetically bad because they go back and forth. Ted says he wants palladium. We dug it out of the ground for your father. Now we want our share. We won't tell us where it is. You can get through to him. And then we find out, okay, they're at the El Royale. And uh, Veronica's just like, hey, don't cooperate with them. And then we hear Hiram's yelling, look, I don't know what they're talking about. So they shoot Governor Dooley. In the gut. In the gut. And then Ted goes, that was double D putting a bullet and like just telling them exactly what they're doing. To which Frost's like, oh, does that mean Dodger? Okay, so you can get the, pal- if I can get the palladium, I want my opal too, okay? And then Ted's just like, fine. It's so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. <sighs> Number one, apparently they only bring 
the the fucking they, they only bring Darla and Dodger and Ted in and these people when they need to just shuffle up some fucking story points. Yeah. But number two, this would work uh-huh. if Veronica went full Adam Sandler. If Veronica w- came back from New York, like on tilt. If she was trying to be like dirty to like get this money, fine. If she really was that kind of hustler. If it wasn't all on the up and up and she knew it, that'd be a different game. But it's not. So it's And part of the problem with that is because they wanted to, they know they're trying to keep Veronica pristine. You should have made her dirty because you, we clearly they've made Jughead a hot fucking mess. Make Veronica a mess. Make her fucking dirty. She's just like her dad. She's just fucking like her dad. But then Archie steps back in her life and she wants to be better. She knows she's going to clean up this fucking mess and she, then she's going to be done. One, one last score. One last fucking well, score. And then we can make it all right again. But, that, but if that's what it's always going to come back to. She's just like her dad. There's, there's, no, there's no blue sky between the two of it them. It would have there's... played so well. And this episode would have been that good if... And again, I'm even fine if it's just a turn. But if mm-hmm. it's the turn when she sees how much Chad has manipulated her, like yeah. it's like we have this perfect life. Things have been good. And yeah, we we cheated a little along the way to get here. But now we're here. We're stable. Sure. And then this falls and she's like, fuck it. Burn everything. All dark. No stars. Her. Come on. Yeah, come on. But like also like and not only that, my boy toy is not willing to hang because I still have this husband on paper. This is some bullshit. All right. Full dark, no start. Yeah, they could have done that, but no, because they're trying to keep her pristine and noble. No, fucking bury this woman. Fucking make her dirty as fuck. Go for it. Do it. Because here's the thing. That makes her interesting. Because she's boring as hell. (laughs) And then you can bring her back to Veronica, Veronica, a couple of episodes later. That's all you have to do. A season. Give her a season of this. A full season. Or she gets to be the she-wolf of Wall Street, apparently. But no, she's just... Fuck. I don't don't even give a fuck. It's not worth it anymore. They fucked her over. Her character's boring as hell. God damn it. We fixed it. We fixed it. (laughs) All right. So Veronica just looks at Reggie. Because he's still there. What do you know about my dad in Palladium? And Reggie's just like, (laughs) "Uh, I can't tell you anything about anything. Now now, now things are in a gray area. I can't tell you about the naughty things your father does. I have concerns. We go back to Andrew's house and the boys are theorizing. And again, (laughs) there's no tension between Fangs and Kevin. And this is a problem. But (gasps) Kevin is officially worried. My dad has never been out of touch this long. They're trying to be reassuring. Your dad's been in tough spots before, Kev. He'll be okay. And we're going to find him. So then Archie gets called. Veronica, Archie, where are you? I'm at home. We haven't found Dodger or his mom yet. I know where they are. There was some other guy named Ted. Oh, crap. I know that guy. That guy's a beast. <laughs> and so, like, they go back and forth and they're like, okay, they're looking for a stash of palladium, but Reggie thinks he knows where it is. Can you meet me at my dad's Sodale office? And they're like, yeah, we're on our way. And Archie just looks at Kev. I know where your dad is. Confirmed. <laughs> so then we cut over to Hiram Sodale office and Reggie takes down the portrait of Hiram down from the wall and there's a giant safe to which Veronica so lovingly says my father is literally Lex Luthor which is fabulous which is also (laughs) a lovely tie to the Superman shirt that Jughead is wearing at Sketch Alley (laughs) 
if if y'all are not aware, there is a new Superman show on the CW that is also being produced by Greg Berlanti that produces this show. So which Reggie just looks at the safe and he says, if he's hiding any palladium, it's in there. Archie, you still ride with those tools in the back of your truck? And Archie's like, yes, I do. <laughs> so but then go, we don't see it. That's I. That's fine. I don't nah. need the business. I don't need the business of them getting a safe out of a wall. Like, unless it's going to, like, trigger an alarm or a fucking bomb. It's not interesting. Don't give me the business. Archie, you have your tools? Yes, I do. All right, cool. Done. So then we go to... <sighs> we go to the bunker, and we're looking, and we're looking, and they can't find it. And finally, they just ask Jessica, what are you looking for? His manuscript. Uh, I I have it. <laughs> but he just like slowly like, pulls like, it out like of out her of, bag out of the bag that she's had this whole time it's like <laughs> we looked at it and when we searched the place earlier and jessica's like can i read it is there anything in there that can help us find jones I'm like no not that we could pinpoint and jessica now like now you know she's like okay they're never just gonna give it to me nope okay i have a new idea if this is where he tripped should we do the same <laughs> I have some shrooms. They're from the same batch I gave Jones. If we take some, maybe we could see what he saw and experience what he experienced. It'd be like retracing his steps. Tabitha and Betty's faces. <laughs> yeah. Just like, huh? Yeah. They're like, um, hey, we've never tripped before. Just give us a sec. She smiles. And so they're like, I don't know, but she gave him drugs and she's trying to get us to take drugs. Clearly she's got multiple agendas going on. This I think is a really bad idea. Which Chabatha <laughs> says, let's pivot, which okay. <laughs> but he but he just going, okay, so we're not gonna do that at all. Yeah. Um <laughs> I did see this joke online that the pivot line really needed to be given to Jughead. If you don't realize why, you're too young and it's sad. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain it. <laughs> Let us know if you understand why. Jessica. It's like, okay, okay, new idea. I'm wondering if I should just go back to New York. You two clearly have Riverdale covered. But if Jughead is on his way back there to confront new demons, that might be a good idea. Okay. Betty and Tabitha are like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Great. Sure. You go back. Sure. You you leave. You go away. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. Okay, but we we have to go get food because, you know, Jughead never shut up about Pops, which, of course, is a thing that happened. So, yeah, so they're going to go eat at Pops. Jessica's treat. <laughs> they both go, oh, okay, boy. Fine. Like, okay, fine. Just whatever we got to do to get her out. Uh... <laughs> I was I was not prepared for this is where a trip. Should we do the same? I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So now we go back to Sketch Alley. And we kind of get a repeat of Jughead's memory. Some guys are starting to beat up Doc, but this time Jughead comes out, starts beating them up, or defending Doc. He finds a crate, he smashes it over the guy's head. Yeah. And then Jughead falls to the ground. He passes out. And then we cut over to Veronica. She's at, she's she's on the phone. She's calling Ted. Okay. Um, I found the palladium. There's catch. It's still locked in the safe. We have it, but not the combination. Luckily, and Ted finishes it, I have the man who does. I was like, okay, but you got to make the delivery, not your boyfriend. Okay, fine. Blah, 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 blah. So now we have to we have to figure out how we're going to attack the El Royale. <laughs> and they're like, okay, 
Ted knows the El Royale. That's why he chose it. So he's got eyes on all the entrances. And Archie says, no, not all. When I took over the gym, I put in a new roof. There's an old skylight covered in tar paper. If we tear it off and drop in like Batman with the element of surprise. You can drop in like Batman. (laughs) Again, again, referencing. There's a lot of DC references, which I will talk about why some of those might be happening in the future. What? Yep. Oh, God damn it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That, uh. It makes sense, but god damn it. I'm almost certain that we're going to get a lot more of those in this back nine. Okay. I'm just, I'm just telling y'all now, I bet you we're getting more of those. So that's three, three DC references we've had now. We've got Archie comics. We got DC comics. That At some point, a crossover was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they need all the manpower they can against Ted. So after this, uh, we see Cheryl. And she's all dressed in red. She goes to, I guess, their sanctuary, if you will. And she, uh, apparently they've got Jason's coffin there, just like they would. And she opens it and stares at his very crisp burnt body. So she didn't let him go. She did. She did have him give him a funeral. Yeah. She did give him a Viking funeral, but she didn't then bury his body or put it in the crypt. Nope. Uh, well, she did. At, at least it's not his being there anymore. It's the both. implication, though, is she didn't let him go. Like, she did. She, she did. Here's the thing. She did. Yeah, that's fair. Here's the thing. This might just be a weird Blossom family thing. She had the funeral. She let go. Yeah. I think for her, she did as much as she could. But for her, once she had that funeral, she was done. And then it was mm-hmm. just, okay, this is this is the box to the bones going. And then we just have bones. Like, that's just the way it is. And now her mom is telling her there's more. So now she's looking at the bones. Yep. Which I think is fair. I think that's fair. It's fair. Until. You know, she's walking away. She's a little defeated. A bird comes in. A cardinal. A red, a ver, a cardinal, because it has to be a red bird. Oh my God. So, it, you know, it's going to be her sign. It's Jason. It's JJ. Because she never calls him Jason. Fuck. Yeah, it's gross. I'm so mad. I just, here's the thing. If, if they turn her into a witch, I'm here for it. Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. I, I will take her being a witch, which is very much what they were alluding to with praying for the wind to shift. Yeah. In the previous episodes, I'm here. I'm here for Cheryl Bloss or the Blossom Family Witch Coven. I'm here for a coven. Fuck yeah. Which coven that uses this weird ministry as the grift to just keep the money coming in? Fine. Okay. You're going to be a coven for money? Cool. Be coven. Coven for money. I love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I could see that. A money coven. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that. Great. Works for me. With. Cheryl actually having like some real belief and or power. Yeah. I'm fine with like cool. Do it. That'd be fun for me. <laughs> Will it be good? Probably not. Will it be entertaining? Fuck yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so yeah. So now we go over to Pops and the three girls are there and we see that Jessica has gotten a plate of fries and she's brought it over the table. And you know, Tab is like, you didn't have to do this. I own the diner. And Jessica's just like, you know. This is a rule that I live by, you know, other than uh, don't leave people alone when they're tripping on maple 
mushrooms. And, you know, Tabs is like, well, I assume he'd be safe in the handcuffs. That's a fair assessment, though. Okay. Well, another lesson, maybe don't give psychedelic shrooms to someone in a delicate state. Uh-oh. Yeah. To which then we get, yeah, how about don't betray your boyfriend the way you did? Getting with his best friend, that's some Shakespearean-level treachery. And this is where Betty's like, all right, I'm I'm done with whatever version of this story y'all have been told because she's just like, all right, I'm going to do this. I like you can tell that Betty's had this conversation with herself several times because she knows she's she knows like she's been holding this in. You know, she has not shared this with a soul. So Betty starts with, yeah, clearly in the stories Jughead has been telling, he's cast himself as a blameless victim here. but. Jughead is not so innocent. Yeah, no, actually, he left me a voicemail two years ago. So she plays the infamous voicemail. The voicemail. So this is important. And so clearly Jughead is not sober mm, or no. in a clear state of mind. So he's just railing. And he's saying, you know, you bailed. Of course, you bailed. You've blown me off for years. You only look for weak spots. You find them, you press on them like a bruise. You like you, when you hooked up with Archie, you know, the you found the one person that would hurt both me and Veronica, and you just went there. You're a cold, fake, duplicitous bitch. And once people read my book, everyone's gonna see that. <laughs> and you can tell that Betty has been holding on to this. Mm-hmm. She's she didn't talk to anybody else. So who who else was going to understand what her her clearly not okay ex boyfriend had to say to her? Yeah, and she made the comment to him in that first flash for like jump episode. Yeah, you left me that voicemail, and Jug is like, ah, whatever. I you know, um, yeah, this is not good. Um, I saw a lot of things being said about, you know, there's a lot of slut shaming going on against Betty. I really hope at some point we find out that Jughead tried to call Archie to yell at him for sleeping with his girlfriend because Archie's equally to blame for that situation and it shouldn't all rest with Betty. Um, it just shouldn't. Um, I understand that the hurt, it hurts more from Betty because that's who he had a romantic relationship with. Um, but you know, but also he's having a giant pity party. Mm. And clearly fucked up. And I think you've put you've put a theory forward before that this voicemail also relates to something else. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. I think something ha- the the what he's got to find in New York mm-hmm. is something happened the same night as this voicemail. That the voicemail wasn't it. Yeah. But that he went on some kind of bender from that. Yeah. Because. I, again, this voicemail at the end of the day damns no one but Jughead in yes. the sense that Jughead is fucked up, lashing out at literally everyone around him. Mm-hmm. And the last person that he had to lash out at was Betty, mm-hmm. who he had, who, who he thought, I'm going to reach out and see if maybe we can find some kind of connection again. And then yeah. something happens after this. Some trauma happens that he's got to figure out. <clears throat> Something happened during all this, during Some... this state. Well, he's and talked he... about he was doing lots of drugs and drinking. Sure. But here's the thing. We know during his last trip, he pictured Betty. Yeah. So during what he's clearly doing some sort of trip where he was on a lot of drugs and drinking, he called Betty. Yeah. So at some point, it's going to happen again. Yeah. 
Betty plays a very strong part in his his trauma. Yeah. Not 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 that Betty has traumatized him. No. Um, that's not fair. They have been through a lot of trauma together and I think that's fair so that he le- he may link a lot of his trauma to her because she also has been through a lot of trauma. There's a lot of theorizing that Jughead is the TPK killer. He's not. No. That's that's too dumb. That's that's not interesting at all. Um, but something's fused with her in his mind. Uh-huh. And and that other thing is what he's trying to uncover. Have thought. Did you? I did. Okay. Do we do we want to go with that thought or do you want to save it for uh for later? I wonder. I don't I, I'm not real clear with the timelines here because they haven't I I I'll have to look at the timelines. But I wonder if Jughead actually has information about the TPK killer that for whatever reason he ignored or has repressed has repressed and i wonder if when she was held in captivity because she was held for two weeks they contacted jughead what hmm. i wonder and that that couldn't have been when this happened but i wonder if that if that has is a piece to this puzzle Hmm. It would be interesting if it was a piece to the puzzle. Okay. I don't know. All right. This is thought. So after she plays this, they're all like, whoa, okay. Uh, That's darkness. And Jessica's like, I was living with Jughead then. So, okay, great. And she just kind of talks about how, like, you know, it was good for a while, but then these deadlines started to get to him and he started spiraling into this destructive behavior. And to be fair, so did I, because I'm a writer as well and i mean we cared about each other we just weren't good for each other i couldn't be around that energy so i got out and that's when we get tabitha going are you guys hot and Betty going "Mm, feeling hot and then we find out that jessica has sprinkled shrooms on the fries (sighs) the worst possible thing you can do to someone Mm -hmm. is to give them psychedelics and not let them know beforehand. Yep. That is one of the absolute worst things you can do to somebody's mind. <laughs> it's just, yeah, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they, she does that to them. She gets them to the bunker and they're just like, why did you do this? And she's just like, oh, cause I want the manuscript. And they're like, why? It's like, oh, cause when he wrote the outcast, he wrote all about y'all. And I'm worried that, he used me as fodder in his thing and we did a lot of bad shit i don't want my family or friends to know about okay interesting but you know she mentioned that she's a writer Mm. and she's also in destructive behavior yeah so i call bullshit she wants that she wants that manuscript for herself either could be true either could be true i do not believe the fodder for a single fucking second i believe She's going to take that manuscript, edit it, whatever, and turn it in as her own and be like, this, you owe me, Joan, so it's mine. Like, that's what she's going to do. The fodder is only true if Jessica is never coming back again. That's the only thing, like, logistically, I could see them doing that to be like, and we're done with that character. Yeah. That is the only reason why that could play. Mm-hmm. But if they intend to bring her back, oh, absolutely. That's not the that's not the point of this. <laughs> so Betty gives it to her, whatever. <laughs> Betty's just like, I don't fucking care about anything right now. <laughs> and so Jessica's parting words are like, you know, just let the tunes wash over you. Thanks for understanding. And she turns on the trip song from here. Walking in space. Which, okay. This song is appropriately used. It is. It is. 
but this is fucking stupid. Part of it for me is like I have I have a connection to a production of hair I saw that was particularly good and mm-hmm. meaningful and like had a deep connection with it. Mm-hmm. And like it resonated in a big way where I went, oh, I get the point of this musical. Yeah. And then to see them like shove it in here for a tripping scene sure. pisses me off. And you would have thought they would have done something like this when we were dealing with the actual cult. So it's just, it feels dumb um, and stupid. And also other stuff that I know that's coming later in, in the season. And, you know, we've, we, we you know, we're going to have a musical episode, of course. It's just, what are you doing? It's so what? forced. It's so forced. If only Betty and Tabitha were singing. Okay. If only the two people who are tripping are singing, fine. I can accept that. Because to be fair, we used to have Veronica singing in the speakeasy all the time, which was also obnoxious. But this is too far. This is too far. The far more interesting choice here, especially when you have Betty, Mm -hmm. because yes, these are mellow. This Mm -hmm. is not a hugely deep high. Mm -hmm. But neither of these women knew they were getting drugged. And they had no friendship until this episode. So to me, the much more interesting play here is to see uh, there there have been scenes in other movies where you f- see this like fragmented all the visual stuff and the the disjointed thoughts that come during mm-hmm. a trip like that and to melt into something like that, something a little bit like Jughead's but for Betty. Mm-hmm. Because Tabitha, I don't really know, right? I mean, you can maybe have some moments of like pop or different struggles, but to see what unlocks in Betty's mind mm-hmm. out of that would be really interesting. Yeah, and she definitely has some repressed trauma. We know it. We've seen some of it. But yeah, that would have been interesting to at least have gotten like one or two flashes of things that she had forgotten. Maybe something that has to do with the TPK. Maybe something that she saw, but she didn't realize what she was seeing as she's been a truck driver right now. Something to that effect that helps her unlock the next piece of her mystery would have paid this off so much better. And maybe that comes later, but this was a missed opportunity because then they use this to further the blossoms, which I hate. Like, I'm sorry. Like as much fun as we're trying to make out of it, it's still stupid. We go over to them. They're having service. Cheryl is dressed all in red because she's now on board. She's got a ton of fucking cleavage, which I'm like, yes, Madeline Pesh is drop dead gorgeous. And she, she looks hot as hell, but this is, this is boobs for boobs. (laughs) That's every time they do it for her. It's boobs for boobs. It's boobs for the sake of putting boobs on the screen. And it's just like, this like I feel I feel kind of bad for her for this. I feel bad for her the whole time because I look at it going, "You're <sighs> such a good actress, and they keep giving you shit." Mm. But eh. you're better than what they give you. Put it that way. Her costume and makeup are doing a lot of work. She's oh, okay. she's she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. I think yes. I haven't seen her in anything else, and I she's been amazing in other things, but. That it's doing a lot of the work. And, and that's, again, this whole scene is about her boobs. <laughs> and, you know, they're singing, they're singing. And, oh, she sees Jason, which, you know, that actor. I mean, he's clearly made a bunch of money. He's never said a word, um, which, you know, if he says words, they have to pay more money. And the CW is cheap as hell. But 
it's, I just find it hilarious. We've made it five seasons and he showed up every season and has never said a word. It's great. Good for him, though. He's getting residuals. <laughs> it's dying that damn hair red. Take that money. But, you know, okay, great. So she sees Jason, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And then we we pause. Veronica shows up at the El Royale with the safe. Darla pats her down, blah, 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 blah. And that's 30 seconds, you Neanderthal. And then the, the boys come down through the roof like Batman. And then we I did like this use of this part of the song, which is the jet black, blue, brown, yellow, crimson, green, orange, like at, through the fight, because it's very Batman pal. Slap. Boom. A little bit. It, it had that rhythm to it. So I thought that that was effective. So they played that well. They beat him up. It's fine. And Veronica gets her opal and, um, you know, she's, she's sitting at, after, after all the fight, you know, she's sitting at pops with Archie, you know, holding onto her opal cause it's hers for today. And she's just like, so we're going to ask for a full pardon for your uncle. Once Dooley is conscious again, or she's like, great. And it's like, um, so are we still feeling good about our decision to hold off until my divorce is final. And Archie's just like, yeah, but I am torn. Eh, which eh. which is really i'm horny let's yeah which is i i can that's fair well and they and they had an adventure and what what do archie and veronica do post adventure they bone of course that's what they do and archie put the kibosh on the boning and she's like but i want to (laughs) bone so he's telling her no but I, I respect that. And so, but, you know, she's like, okay, well then I better work on making this divorce happen as fast as humanly possible. She's mm-hmm. like, I'll see you soon, Archie. So, okay. Like I, again, I appreciate that. Like I can, I can understand Archie being like, damn it. But also being like, I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Cause it's the right thing to do. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yep. I just, I hope they stick to it. And I'm fine. If you bone some other consenting uh, age appropriate lady, that's fine. <laughs> But he, no. I even don't hate Veronica going, okay, well, that's fair. Then I'm going to go fucking take care of Chad. <laughs> no, I mean, I, under, I Veronica's going to bone Chad at least one more time to like butter him up. It's it's, it's going to be a duplicitous bone. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> I could see her teasing him more and then fucking pulling the trap. Oh, on she's going to do that a lot. That's just a given because she's yeah, Veronica. But there's going to lead. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a duplicitous bone. I don't know. There's going to be a duplicitous bone, which is my new favorite phrase. I'm going to use it now for all of time. (laughs) Duplicitous bone. Such a thing. I'm going to use it now whenever I watch television. I'm going to point and I'm going to watch movies and I'm going to say, duplicitous bone. I'm going to be Leo (laughs) once upon a time in Hollywood. Ah! That's who I'm going to be. That's going to happen. It's a thing now. TM market. (laughs) Let me say it five more times. So Hiram gets... Uh, so Hiram goes to visit Governor Dooley and is like, hey, uh, I thought you might might want an update on the Palladium. Yeah, where is it? Oh, that doesn't uh, matter as far as you're concerned because I'm not sharing. Not now, not ever. I have moved heaven and earth to get here. I've dedicated years of my life to this cause. You have no idea. So as soon as you're healthy enough, I suggest you go back to that cushy little, little mansion of yours and never return or else. And then he makes a gun cock motion to his head. We clear? And Julie's just like, yeah. Holy shit. Which, um, th- this being a midseason finale makes that moment have more weight. Oh, yeah. This should have been the last episode of Before the Break. Absolutely. Yeah, because because then knowing that next week we're going to get his origin story, we're like, 
oh, we're going to find out where this bullshit comes from. Great. That's great. That's great. That's great hype. And and that this whole palladium thing, this was the end game. This is this has been his end game for a long time. So he must have learned about like when did he learn about this? Like taking taking over the town, all that bullshit that we went through in season two, season three. That was just the start. Well, <laughs> no, but like how many different ways has he been trying to get at this until he yeah. got here? Yeah. Which is fine. Like I don't. Ugh. Then we cut over to Sketch Alley. And Jughead's, you know, come out of the, the shelter and he goes and talks to Doc and like, oh, you feeling better? You know, my friend came by with antibiotics and came to you while you're out. And uh, Jughead's like, oh, the, the, the guy, uh, did, did I kill him? No, you knocked him out. Um, and then I dragged him to the edge of Sketch Alley and dumped him on the curb. So I'm going to find him. Um, but you need to get home. Mm-hmm. And Jughead's just like, I, I can't yet. Uh, something happened to me in New York. And I know it's something horrible. I just can't remember what. I keep getting these delusions. They're like images or memories maybe. And I I just know I can't go home until I figure it out. And Doc says, you know, I go, you know where you're going then. Jughead says, my name's not Henry. It's Jughead. I know. I know. You knew? Well, not right away, but I figured you had raisins. Which Aww. is sweet. Which I appreciate. And Jughead's just like, oh, I'm sorry for everything that happened. I wish I could have done something. Talk like you were a kid. There's something you could have done. Focus on yourself. Find your way back to wherever you've been. Thanks, Doc. I'll come back and see you. And so Jughead starts to take off. Doc's coming back. Oh, Doc has to come back. Guaranteed. Oh, they're going to murder Doc. That's going to oh. They're going to they're gonna sacrifice because we can't lose any more parents. We're going to murder Doc. God damn it. That's how it works, David. So... We go back to the bunker and Betty and Tabitha wake up. Oh my God, how long did we sleep? <laughs> and they're like, oh, it feels like a week and a half. And like, did you give Jessica the manuscript? Yeah, you did. Oh, and you played his message for all of us. And Betty's like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. But Tabitha's like, it's a secret amongst friends. And look, I, I know that we haven't found Jughead, but what you're doing looking for those missing girls, I want to help. And uh, but he's like, I appreciate that. So like, they've got a friendship now, which I like. Like yeah. they've got like uh, they're like, okay, we're, like we're we're cool. Yet another trauma friendship. <laughs> it, it worked out okay in the end, but it it is a real weird start. <laughs> the Tabitha pulls out her phone. Speaking of messages, it's Jughead. Is he okay? What's he saying? And so we play the message from Jughead, and we as they're playing this, we see Jughead start to hitchhike. He's on a road, and we see a sign that's you know New York City that way and uh he's he's hitchhiking and a big truck pulls over and jughead's gonna get in it because of course he does but it's a it's a pretty distinct truck it's got these very distinct red mud flaps it's kind of like this black it's it's almost like a truck hearse it's the truck yeah it's what it's what david said he's like it's like it's a hearse i'm like oh yeah it is when he opens the door and gets in, it is a burgundy wine yeah. red door cushion cover. That is such a fucking hearse thing. Now, this could all be a red herring. Could be another trucker that goes on the road that's weird. But who's, who's just it, super weird or super fancy. But I think this might be the truck. It's meant to be distinctive, so we recognize it when we see it again. Because we will have to see it again at some point. But Jughead just says, you know, hey. Uh, I don't know where to start. I'm sorry I haven't called. I'm sorry for everything. If you're blaming yourself for wandering off, for me wandering off, I was high out of my mind. I'm safe more or less, but I'm heading to New York. There's something I need to confront. I'm not sure what, but I know I've I wouldn't have gotten this far without you. When I get back to Riverdale, maybe we can finish that dance. Riverdale. 
Oh no, Jughead's gonna get kidnapped by a crazy trucker. Uh-oh. TBK sounds so right on that he got kidnapped. He does he has repressed it completely and thoroughly and somehow survived it. Boy, not that he is TBK, but that he no. got kidnapped by the killer. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say he got kidnapped, that he got contacted by them. I, I don't know. Hmm. I could see there being a connection in some way that that there's something that makes him connected to TBK and he doesn't realize it, but his brain is protecting him so that there's not one more person in his life that is a serial killer or a bad dude or has hurt someone that he loves, Betty. Yeah. Like like it's some it's something like that. Who would it be though? Donna, who's the one person who from the past that who's alive who could have a vendetta? And like a weird vendetta. Who would want to fuck with him? I'm not saying that she is TBK, but that she could she could be part of that bridge. I don't know. Donna would be interesting because she would. I mean, I know that she's like she was warned that she couldn't go into the literary world, but that doesn't mean she wouldn't try. Because also, if you get rid of Jughead, hmm. I mean, she's I don't know. God damn it. This should have been the season finale. The mid-season finale, I should say. This would have been a better mid-season finale because it raises it well, it doesn't raise a lot of questions, but it lets us it it There's a little mystery. There's a little mystery. It wouldn't have been a bad season finale either. No. No. This being a season finale wouldn't have been a bad idea. And then just I mean, then your order's eleven. I mean, you could probably get stretched out to twelve and been fine. But it wouldn't have been bad. If, if ever there was a season to cut down, season five was it. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. There's another episode next week. There is. And, and we've, we've not pretended that we don't know what it is because the internet is a thing and they talk about it a lot. Next, next week's another episode. And it's, it's called Citizen Lodge. And it's about Hiram's origin story. How Jaime Luna became Hiram Lodge. Which I think Citizen Lodge is a great title for that story. The way they are showing the trailer of this is mm-hmm. very Godfather, where it's not just going to be a straight flashback episode. Yeah. We are going to go back and forth. We're going to go back and forth. It looks like we're going to go back and forth, also, but we're also going to move through time mm-hmm. because we see Mark Consuelos and Marisol Nichols in there. And it looks like Mark Consuelos might be playing Hiram's father. Yeah. And his son, Michael Consuelos, is playing himself like in the Breakfast Club episode. Yeah. And from the pictures they've released. So I'm interested in to see that uh, Marisol Nichols will be in the next episode as well. It looks it looks interesting. I'm excited because I I do like to see that that origin stuff. I guarantee you we're going to be sitting there, though, and like, why? Why didn't you return with this? Why was this not what we came back with? with well, I'm, bang? I'm, I'm saying it now. Yeah, it's true. I'm saying it now, but you know, I mean, it's it's Riverdale. Um, <laughs> it's it's Riverdale. So some of my uh, slightly more spoily information is uh, we've got these nine episodes, so we're just going straight through, and then we're coming back for season six in November. What? Yeah. So we're getting five episodes in of no- us, uh, I believe, starting in November, and it's gonna be a special set like it's gonna be like that like they've they've built it as this contained story and the rumor is that it will be a crossover event with part of the rest of the cw oh boy so the my thinking is not so much that 
they're gonna cross over like all the shows are gonna do crossovers because that would be a little that would be way complicated though they have pulled it off very successfully with the other superhero shows the the dc stuff they've done that constantly and it, and it works out for them i know it's a ton of fucking work but they've they've been clearly doing a great job it's really not been my cup of tea but you recognize that like okay i get why people like this no this is it's not crap yeah uh, i'm also fully on board for nancy nancy drew i watched the first season loved it haven't watched season two excited to but that's where i'm like oh we might get a little crossover with one of the superheroes one hence all of the the cw uh superhero drops i could see a nancy drew crossover really that's that's the one that makes the most sense because thematically they're the same but i could also see them being like well because they're thematically the same we want to keep them completely separate yeah but if they're going to bring more fantastical elements into the show which we thought they were going to do season two and three to try to connect it with sabrina and they never did okay you're gonna do it with superheroes all right cool so yeah those five episodes as far are supposed to be uh like one like special event type thing and then they'll go on their hiatus and then they'll come back january february like normal and do the back 13 fucking weird man well i mean again they've got this weird schedule there's also the added uh weirdness in that we we assume they're not starting until september we know the writer's room is already in play but kj appa is expecting his first child so he will be any any minute now essentially so he will be going on paternity leave so i don't know how much that officially affects them but it will affect him so he won't be as available for a moment it's just that thing of Riverdale has it feels like the weirdest schedule I know it's by necessity but it has always just felt weird well and also next season they move to Tuesday nights instead of Wednesday (laughs) and they're moving (laughs) they've been Wednesday nights this whole time and so now they're moving to Tuesday that's fine I don't care whatever that's that's of no consequence to me but it's just something for us to know for when for when we watch the show yeah I don't know if that's going to affect when we will be releasing our show. I don't know. We don't know anything. (laughs) We don't know anything. We barely remember how to do this show at this point. (laughs) You know, we're just blathering on at this point. But, you know, it's the show we love to pick apart. All right. So uh, (laughs) uh, thanks for coming back with us. Uh, Thanks uh, those of you who uh, have been sticking with us. We appreciate it. And until next time, hashtag... Bulldogs forever. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.